0: Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening, folks. Thank you very, very much for listening. The date today is the 13th of May, Year of Our Lord 2021. Welcome to yet another edition of the Bun and Cardigan Show. If memory serves, I believe this is episode 34. This is a Shack episode. We got a big guest uh, to go along with it. James, we learned something uh, yesterday. We learned that we may have the best listeners of all time.
1: You guys, I almost cried. Like, real tears almost shed. We, I didn't know how it would go. Um, when we've talked on this pod a bunch about doing t-shirts and hoodies, and we talked about making, trying to make it an experience where you get a hoodie and you get to come in and do a zoom pod with us. And I just put it out there who would pay a hundred dollars for this. And we got a lot of no's, but we were only doing 20 hoodies. So we'd only need a 20 yes. And in a day we got 20 yeses. So, I mean, you guys, yeah, no, it's absolutely, um, an honor to have the listeners that we have. You guys are the best. You guys have shown your loyalty episode by episode, week by week, and um, yeah. So they're they're being made this weekend. Um, the front is the Bunn and Cardigan Show logo, like you see when you listen to the podcast, and then in the back is um, I've shown everybody that was the first twenty in line what it will look like. But it's a playoff Ozark. So you, if you've watched Ozark, every episode they have like the logo, the O logo with four kind of things that symbolize the episode so ours is going to be a detroit basketball a music note um tgi fridays tgif Mm -hmm. and so if you're an og listener you know about tgi fridays and then the fourth one is a book that says story time with james so they're being they're going to be made this weekend and i will send them out late next week and you should have them on your doorstep in the next two to three weeks and if you're in michigan near detroit i might just deliver it myself
0: a hand delivered hoodie maybe maybe, if it's
1: okay with you i'll ask i'll ask you first yeah
0: we'll abide by social social distancing guidelines maybe james will leave an autograph on there maybe a little handwritten note if
1: if they want yeah if they want to get a flick i need to you have to wear a mask but yeah
0: and it goes without say um people for the most part know this i think the person who actually made the graphic for our show was my brother the person who designed Shout out to matthew yep um james uh what i was basically the mouthpiece between my brother and James don't know why they didn't just get each other's phone I numbers did, I emailed <laughs> him No, I know, I but it him. was it was always never mind. But yes, shout out to Matthew because he basically had the whole design not basically, he had uh full creative control over the 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 designs of this um and he absolutely nailed it. So I also want to add it's not to say that we're not Great job, Matthew. um incredibly uh, thankful for it's just because you didn't buy it doesn't mean we don't love you all the same. It's just it, it the whole thing just kind of blew us away. So what we, we did will not say, expect people
1: to pay a hundred dollars for no. a hoodie. No.
0: Um, what we will also say is the 20 of you who did uh, get one, uh, you will have a uh, ticket to the Motown Noah awards this year. You'll be front yeah, and center. We're,
1: yeah. We're thinking about doing the, the an award show with all you guys where Nick does his end of the season awards. I'll come up with some awards. And we'll make it a whole spectacle. We'll do a and a too. So we'll make mm-hmm. it a whole event. And again, thank you guys so much for the support. Um, yeah, and I know some of you guys said in the DMs, like you weren't just support, like getting a hoodie, like you were just showing support to us because we do yeah. obviously do this podcast. I mean, I lose money doing this podcast. Yes. So you guys um, are just the, the greatest. Thank you.
0: So we're going to get into it a little bit more when we have our guest on. As of 30 minutes ago, uh detroit's all in on dwayne casey we got him for what well, his contract was going to be up next season correct
1: um he had a five-year deal so this was year three for him he had two left
0: so he he just got a one-year extension then
1: yeah it's two it was originally all right so he had two years left this is 2021 yeah he was through 2023 now he's 23 24
0: so this answers a lot of questions. I think the biggest one that it answers is we – a lot of us assumed the biggest question was what's going to happen when his contract is up. It was actually floated out there in the AMA that James did in the Detroit Pistons subreddit. Big week for James Edwards the third of The Athletic. Um it was floated out there. Who do you think could take over after Casey? What do you think is going to happen there? You flew you, you floated Chauncey out there, and I thought that that was interesting. A lot of people like that. Uh, but the main thing has been, you know, is Casey going to walk away? He's obviously in his 60s at this point. Uh, he's been in basketball for like 30 years. Um, is he just going to hang it up? And nobody would really blame him for it once the rebuild's done and Detroit wants to take it the, their team to the next level. Well, maybe joint Casey's going to be that guy. Maybe they think within the next four years – that I, I say maybe that's obviously what Troy's vision is, and we've said it a hundred times on the show. So it just I feel like instills a lot more confidence in what Dwayne Casey's doing with this Pistons team, as well as Dwayne saying, "I got more in the tank."
1: Yeah, and I've said it on this show. I've said it in in written form. People ask me all the time, "What do they think is going to happen when casey's with Casey? Is he going to be here?" I'm like, I've always said that it's going to be Casey. I think is going to leave on his own terms. Um, and I think this is a, a sign of that. If he, if he wanted to keep coaching, I think he had the uh, possibility to do so, as we saw in in the extension today. Um, if he wanted to be done, I think they would have understood that. He's been doing this for a long time as a young family. So uh, I've been, I, I've always based on what I know and how they feel about Dwayne, I've always known that it felt, it never felt like it was going to end badly or he was going to get fired or let go. It was, it always kind of felt like he would go on his own terms, which I mean, there's still a lot of time left, but I, I just can't envision that happening. I don't see Troy and his staff handling him, handling Dwayne like that, a guy who's been around for so long and has done so much for the game. And I think it's a sign to Dwayne one. Um, it it shows recognition that young guys develop under him. I mean, We've said it before, Luke Kennard, before he got hurt, that was the best Luke Kennard anybody's seen and has seen since. Um, Bruce Brown got better under Dwayne Casey. Uh, I mean, Blake Griffin's best year was under Dwayne Casey. We could talk about DeRozan. We could talk about Lowry. Um, and then this year, obviously, we've seen steady improvement from all the rookies. So it's kind of a, a nod to him. To one, you see a lot of coaches that enter a rebuild and that have been here for the previous regime. They're kind of at best, if they're lucky, to – they're here to just kind of get it going get it off the ground floor and then gm's bringing somebody else to to see it through at least Dwayne has some more years to see this through and not just kind of be the guy that did
0: the dirty work i the the first thing that i said to you was i'm all in because i cannot express my sincere happiness that this actually happened um this entire season detroit's up and down but they're mostly down and these vegas odds will come out who's the next coach that's going to get fired and dwayne casey's six to one and people always say well vegas always knows something that we don't no they don't they looked at the record and they saw that detroit was bad and they just lumped them in with luke walton and all these other coaches who are or, or, uh, their teams are performing poorly like scott brooks for majority of the season was there now i think scott brooks yeah that's
1: is, not a underst- they don't have a full understanding of the
0: situations when, right. uh, in a lot of those and so people would run with it and think that Casey needs to be fired because Seku played six minutes or because Corey Joseph was taking touches away from Killian. But the reality is that you see so many media outlets. Um, as Yahoo Sports just did it the other day. Credit Detroit for executing a masterful tank, even for piston-powered today. Um, Aaron Kellish. I wrote that story in March. James wrote Shout this story in March. It's not just Troy. It's not just the players; it's also Dwayne Casey. Those Brooklyn wins that you love so much, when when Detroit turns into the big game hunters, Dwayne Casey and, and,
1: and Nick turns into a drunk. And I,
0: yes, I owe it to Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey got me on ESPN. There we go. That's what that's what it was. Uh, no, but uh, you have to credit Dwayne for that. He's able to rally these guys and keep them in these big games. Um, in terms of out of timeout plays drawn up in clutch situations, he's actually middle of the pack think he ranked like 14th or something in the league that's another thing i meant to send you and i didn't um mike budenholzer was dead last by the way i just want to throw that out there um i i sincerely just cannot express how excited i am because he's just such a great guy and he's the team that i can i also float this out there oh
1: yeah flitch your show do whatever you want to do the timeline Farting
0: noises the, the timeline on this is really interesting you uh you know who's not going to be in the league anymore in five years much sure. less in the east LeBron James. <laughs> yeah, we don't have to, we're is, not going down you're not hey, getting, you're not getting me riled up down that this that is Dwayne this again. is his chance. Redemption. This is it. This is your moment, Dwayne. LeBron's in the West. By the time that this Pistons team's good, LeBron won't be a factor And the we, we say this every year, but I would imagine in year twenty three LeBron's not gonna be, you know, putting up thirty point triple doubles. This is it. So I'm excited. I'm really, really happy about this.
1: Are you as happy as you are about this that they lost to the Timberwolves?
0: Well, I just didn't understand why people thought that that was the biggest game of the year. It was the Orlando game. That That's what really got us the the strong footing that we have uh, in the standings right now. Minnesota, well, think, go ahead.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's always weird, because when you get to the end of the year, if you think about it, if they win the Orlando game but lose to Minnesota, there's a lot of teams with 21. Um, 21 wins still. Yeah, no, the Orlando one was the one, because... Yeah, it gave you a kind of like a the smallest sliver of wiggle room you can have, and it, it, losing to Minnesota just kind of put the icing on the cake. Now, of course, is what's going to happen is they're going to go out and beat Denver and Miami to end the year <laughs> and end up yeah. with twenty two
0: wins. Well, when they rest Michael Porter Jr. and they don't have Monte Morris and you know Jokic isn't playing, like I mean, yeah, I love that you got to Jokic third. Shout out to Flint, right? I put, I put Monte Morris and yeah. Flint, uh, here's the thing. People forget Minnesota's trying right now. I don't think people realize that like their record they are bad. legit better
1: than their record. Yeah.
0: Well, they're, they're trying because they're doing the whole, uh, we want to create this sense of optimism as we end the season rather than put our fate in the hands of the lottery gods, which by the way, and we don't want cat to ask out early. Right. And it might not actually, and we have to get Anthony Edwards, uh, Rookie of the Year, and we have to get d back into some sort of, you know, rhythm. rhythm yeah. So, I'm just kind of thinking, like, they could still win all these games and still end up first. You know what I mean? Like, it's not going to yeah. matter for them. Detroit could lose all these games and subsequently fall to sixth. So, it's just yeah, kind of... It's still luck at the end of the day. I love that... 100%. I love that Troy... That injury report was one of the funniest things I've ever seen in my life. I mean, half the <laughs> roster was either out or questionable. Over yeah. half of it.
1: Yeah. And, uh... Thankful uh, if you're a Pistons fan, you're thankful for freaking twenty eight turnovers. Mm. I mean, that that shout out to Josh they're, they're, Jackson. They're, mm. He had a lot of them. There was no from st- from literally the start to the finish. There was n- you didn't have to sweat at all if your team was going to win that game. They uh, they 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 literally gift wrapped that to the Minnesota Timberwolves.
0: Yeah, and it was uh, <laughs> looking at the. Replies. I think we're going to be
1: a little delayed in our just some inside baseball you're probably going to be a little delayed when you go post production just some inside baseball for the listeners
0: oh okay james is letting me know that i'm going to have some editing that i'm going to have to do and yeah,
1: just which, but only for 20 minutes only though, for 20
0: minutes it's not going to matter um are you uh you're done it's it's summer for you have we, have, have we passed field day and you're just you know nah we field day's
1: coming up field day will be uh sunday because it's a noon game now the miami one it looked like it was going to be 8 p.m one because they're coming off a back-to-back but the nba is doing all early afternoon games for the last day of the regular season and then on monday we'll have the exit interviews with talk to Dwayne, talk to troy a couple players so yeah, many, my, I'm going to work through next week and then take the following week off.
0: How many questions you got in the chamber right now? If, if, if I have
1: if, none. None. For anybody. I mean, I have one for Dwayne right now. But other than that, I can tell you what everybody's going to say right now to yeah. any question.
0: You just I mean, even year. if you fire at them about the draft, they're not going to give us anything new.
1: They're not going to tell you anything. They don't know where they're picking. That's I mean, the biggest thing. They know what they want. Are they going to say it? Like, yeah. So it's a whole thing. Um so yeah, Pistons fans have a lot to look forward to, and you know what we do here at the Bun and Cardigan Show. When everybody goes right, we go left. <laughs> so we're gonna bring Vinny Goodwill in, my brother, who I sit next to at all Pistons games. He's he's works. He's the NBA senior columnist for Yahoo, um, formerly of the Detroit News. Covered the Pistons I think for three years. Um, I'll have to when he when we do that interview, you'll get an exact answer. Um, He's going to come on here and talk about the glory years of the early 2010s with John Kuster, um, the the anarchy, the guys leaving practice, and just the horror stories of those those 2010 years. Because, one, I, I know people don't want to hear negative about their team, but I think there's some optimism. There's been optimism for a year, and I think there's a lot of young listeners. Like, Nick, you were telling me you don't know much about the John Kuster no guys not going to practice and all that stuff. So. It, it it's a good history lesson for what will eventually be. We're still not too. We're still kind of relatively close to it, but one day will be um, a forgotten era of Pistons basketball, and I, I think it's going to be entertaining. So Vinny will come on here. We'll talk Dwayne Casey's extension first, um, and then after that, I'm just gonna. I know a lot of stories. I'm gonna try to massage him. And uh, whoa, pause. Um, I'm gonna try to massage some of it to not get him in trouble because there's a lot of stories he could tell that I don't know if he's allowed to, but I'm going to try to get some good stuff out of him for you guys.
0: Gotcha. All ladies and gentlemen, here he is, Vincent Goodwill.
1: All right, as promised, we have – I mean, I could go on and on about this guy. This is is my brother, uh, formerly of the Detroit News, now senior columnist for Yahoo!, One of the best that there is, the best there was, the best there ever will be. Shout out to Bret Hart. (laughs) The The excellence of execution, is that what I am now? Yes. You're going to put somebody in the sharpshooter. How are you doing, my man? Hey, man, it's good to finally be invited. (laughs) Stop. (laughs) I feel so honored. do Do you know how... I wanted to ask you to join our show a long time ago, but I didn't want to disrespect you in such ways, you being the the guy that you are and this show being the show that it is, I, I didn't want to, I didn't want to even disrespect you and, and sacrifice our, our brotherhood. So <laughs> I'm glad today I caught you on a good day. Um, we're going to, we're going to start here because the Dwayne Casey news. Yep. <sighs> I'm not surprised. Um, and you're around the team a lot more now. Mm-hmm. Well, you're at the arena more given the circumstances you're not around the team, but you're back in Detroit covering the NBA. This wasn't a surprise to me. I always thought Dwayne was going to go out on his own terms with mm-hmm. this front office, the respect he has. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a nod from Troy that not only is Dwayne going to be the guy that he thinks can get them going on the rebuild, but he, he deserves to at least try to see this through. Um, I know it's another year, I think two years, a year extension, but he's going to have a chance to, to extend this and see where this goes. What was your initial reaction? Did it surprise you? Um, and do you think this was not long overdue, but something that you thought w- could happen? I
2: don't think it was long overdue. If you look at the timings the last week of the season. Yeah. I'm sure it's something they've been discussing for, you know what I'm saying, quite a long time. I think it's good stability for an organization that has experienced a whole lot of upheaval during <laughs> the Tom Gores' leadership. Oh, we're
1: getting into that upheaval. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, sure. Yeah. All, all the head coaches, all the incidents, all that stuff, right?
1: But, Very rarely
2: do you see coaches come in to – and I'm sure Dwayne probably looked at the roster when he came in and said, okay, Andre's on this contract. Blake is on this contract. At some point, if this doesn't work to take the next step, we're going to have to go through a rebuild, and I have to be able to accept that. And I think the calculus, if you looked at the length of this contract from the beginning, Mm -hmm. like, oh, okay, yeah, this is – this is something where he, he not necessarily safeguard yourself. One side was taking a bigger risk than the other. And the other was the absolutely. franchise. Absolutely. You, he was coach of the year. Yeah. You know what I mean? Coming in and then having been fired and everything else in Toronto. But he's really impressed me this year, you know, from mm-hmm. not just from a tactical thing, because I think he's done some tactical things that have been that have actually worked and kept them in the game. I think he's
1: underrated in that regard. I agree. Black coaches usually are. Let's be perfect. exactly. And we're going to – I got a question for you when you're done about this. We're going to get into it. So – but for him
2: to get the Sadiq Bays and to get – think about it. A lot of these guys, he didn't know, you know, because the team that he was coaching last year, there was no way to know pandemic and everything else. It's not like he was scouting these college kids coming into it. And he said – he admitted, you know, when you have the seven pick and you don't have much else and then draft night comes and you get all this willing and dealing, you're leaving a lot of these – a lot of this in the hands of your GM. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Rightfully, in the hands of the gym, you pick the players, I coach them. But he coached them like he picked them. You know what yes. I mean? He coached them like he had a personal investment in them. And if you look at Sadiq Bay, he should be off our rookie first team. You look at Isaiah Stewart, should be on all rookie team. Killian Hayes is going to be a work in progress just because of the nature of the situation.
1: But ownership and franchise knew that when they took him. Yeah. And he's gotten better. As as he's gone, as he's got more games,
2: as he's got, and a lot of his a lot of his flaws are mechanical and not, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, not something sure. That can be fixed on the fly. You can't fix his shot on
1: the yeah. fly. You know what I mean? That takes. We talked about stuff. it last night. Even it, on his layups, he brings the ball to his hip and yeah. it just loses a second. He shows the to get body. The, yeah, he, the Lonzo, he, show, he shows the ball. He shows took the
0: ball. It three years to figure that out. He, he to, did, to exactly. Shot, and now, so.
1: who's named ten
2: better shooters? Yeah. So it's so for me. It's great to see this franchise actually say, you know what? We're not going to be changing shit.
0: You know what yeah, I mean? This guy's something. a
2: good coach, and we're going, and hopefully for them in their mindset, we're closer than we think. Cause I don't know if you make that type of move without tacitly telling this 60 something year old coach, mind you, I think he's what, 63, 64, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Yep. He ain't
1: trying to be babysitting forever. I thought he would go to the front office if he and it still might happen. But I thought if then no extension came, he would take a front office job with the Pistons. I could see that. And I I think he's got enough cachet with the front office and he's
2: a great basketball mind and he's been around. So even if he winds up at some point saying, you know what, the day to day stuff ain't for me from a coaching standpoint. I think that's a basketball mind that you need around. Yeah, I
1: agree. And I was telling Nick um, before. We got on the pod. You name the rookies this year who have improved under him, but I mean, no version of Luke Kennard was better than last year with Dwayne in those games before he got injured. Blake's best season came under Dwayne. Bruce Brown got better and became a, an NBA player under him. Like, and we can go back to the Toronto guys. Like, not only does it develop, and this gets into my thing. Nick, should we do the the, do it, the, please. the, the nurse I, thing now?
0: Please do it now. Yes.
1: Have we had this? Oh, we get some Nick
0: Nurse takes. Yeah, uh, have we had
1: this slander. talking person yet, yeah. Vinny? Have we? Have we? Have I brought up my Nick Nurse thing with you? Oh no, let's hear this. <laughs> so, and I know you are very um, abrasive is not the word, but you speak your mind. Absolutely. So, well, if there's racial tone to to this, we'll get into it. Nick Nurse, everybody crowns him as an excellent X's and O's coach. I mean, since he's taken over, he's pretty much you hear anybody, any podcast, coach of the year worthy, all that stuff. Why doesn't Le- Dwayne... People, when they look at Dwayne's time in Toronto, they don't really break it down. They look at how it ended, and they look at the results. And that's fair. I get that. Nurse never had to face LeBron. Dwayne only had to face LeBron.
0: Without Nurse Kawhi. had Kawhi. Yeah.
1: Dwayne never had Kawhi. I think Nick is a great X's and O's coach. But I, I wonder... If he has the ability to get the best out of his players, not put them in the best position to succeed, because I think he can, does he have the ability to get the best out of his players? So I'm another bad Raptors season away from maybe going a little more public with Nick Nurse slander.
0: Printing the shirts.
1: Yeah. Like, where are you at with how Casey left Toronto, how he's viewed in that situation and Nick Nurse being crowned the way he is already in three years? Shall I start with the Nick Nurse part or the Dwayne leaving Toronto? Which which one you want me to start with? Go to to Dwayne leaving Toronto.
2: Okay, my feeling on coaches in the NBA or in any sport is this. You can pick a reason to fire a coach for nearly half or more of the teams in the NBA if you want to. Yeah. Like there's certain coaches that are going to be unassailable and everything else. But if you want a reason to fire a coach, you can come up with a reason to fire Brad Stevens. And that's Mm -hmm. not an indictment on Brad Stevens as a coach, but you can come up with a plausible reason to fire somebody. If you want to fire somebody, you will, right? If Dwayne's time was up in Toronto, from a standpoint of the relationship with Masai Ujiri and everything else, you don't want to stay in a situation where you can wind up being fired midway through the next year if things don't go well. And that Toronto team was on a slow come up. Yeah. They, they started out they started out pretty well but everybody figured this is just Toronto this is what they're going to do and then when the playoffs happened it was kind of like a slower build type of thing you know what yep. I mean for sure what would, would Dwayne have had that amount of leeway would he have would he have had that runway with Masai Ujiri it sounds like he wouldn't have yeah, and it's I not agree. to say because you get if you get fired it means oh my god you did a bad job I, I don't believe that I'm Tom Thibodeau got fired from Chicago in 2015. The front office was not someone that I was a fan of, but I'm like, okay, five years is what's happened. That's just me. Five it's, years. Sometimes it runs its course. Sometimes it runs its course for both sides, and it mm-hmm. is not an indictment. Now on to
1: Doctor Nick Nurse. <laughs> yes, this is why, that's why I saved it for last, baby. I know how you get. I know how you get down.
2: Nick Nurse was getting worked by Brett Brown in 2019, getting worked until Kawhi hit that shot. He was getting worked by a dude who might be one of the five worst coaches in the NBA, all right? And I'm not a dude who just goes out and Thank you for going here. I, I was go. like, whoa, Brett Brown catching strays Let's over go. here. But Brett, Br- Brett, I mean, if we see it, Brett Brown ain't that guy, right? No, he's not. No. He's not that. If I'm saying you're not that guy, that you could be a good coach. It just means you're not that guy for that team. Yeah. The one thing that I'll give Nick Nurse credit on, and maybe this is a product of him being in the G League, he threw a bunch of shit against the wall and at something at some point something was going to work You're like oh some coaches are like plan b just do plan a better nick nurse is willing to go to plan g mm-hmm. or plan mm-hmm. z Yep, you know what i mean you can say okay that's the product of preparation and everything else and a product of him being such a brilliant basketball mind on the fly whatever you you want to say all these guys know basketball ain't nobody you know they ain't no geniuses at this. They'd be working at NASA if they were. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I think Dwayne doesn't get credit a for devising the defense that got LeBron off his rocker in 2011. Mm-hmm. Like LeBron was not a choker in the 2011 Eastern Conference Finals against it was uh, until Bulls. that
1: until that zone hit him.
2: Oh, or against the Boston Celtics. In that series, we looked at Miami and LeBron as a juggernaut, and then he went up against Dwayne Casey's defense. And it was like, oh, my God, this is this is a game of Tetris. I have I have no no response for. And that was Dwayne Casey. But yep. black coaches, unfortunately, often get the first impression label. A lot yep. of coaches get the first impression label, but black coaches definitely get definitely get it. If you're the black coach. You got to be the players coach or you got to be the quote unquote disciplinarian. There's not a whole lot of nuance when it comes to that. And once you get that label, it sticks with you. And Dwayne Casey, for whatever reason, never got the label of being the tactician. When you're able to develop players, it becomes, oh, he's the player's buddy type of thing. It's tacit. It's, it's very subtle.
1: Mm-hmm. You know
2: what I'm saying? It's very coded when some people do it compared to others. But Dwayne has a reputation of being able to get the best out of Kyle Lowry, being able to get the best out of DeMar DeRozan. And those are players that you don't look at and say, if I'm building the championship team, those are my two best players. Exactly. You look at them and say, if those are my two best players, you know what my ceiling is? The Eastern Conference semifinals. Yeah. And he wound up getting them to the conference finals where he lost to the best player
1: of our generation. That's his fault, right? Yeah, right. That's that's just all my thing. We're, we're, an, we're another Raptors normal poor season away. And, and by poor, I mean... And they could rebuild it. They could they could tweak some stuff. So it might be there might be a scapegoat. But I think nurse, like Nurse can't be the guy who won it because Kawhi hit a crazy shot just to get him there. Like for as much as he's applauded, we got to see something else. And now he might have the excuse because like I said, they could go a different direction. Or Masai Jury could leave. Or Masai Jury could leave. So it's gonna be interesting. All right. Enough Raptors talk. Nick, you don't know, where does your, you, you're a massive Pistons fan. Your, your videos have gone viral, but your Pistons fandom
0: didn't start till when? I didn't really start actually caring about Detroit. Uh, I like growing up. I did um, like when we won in know I was six. Right. So we've talked on this show a little bit before about how, um, like, I actually asked James, how quick did we do like a turnaround on Darko? You know, cause when you draft him, cause I think we were talking about Wiseman or something and how the, the yeah. narrative about him that ha- has been created by the warriors, like Steve Kerr and Draymond pointing out, like, ah, we kind of blew that. I was like, I've not seen in my life, a team do this to a player that they drafted in that same season. So what I asked was like, did we do Arcos this with happened
1: Darko? right after, right, right after they said his name?
0: And I didn't, right, obviously I was, I didn't know that. So, right. Uh, I remember losing in 05 more than I remember winning in 04, just for some perspective. Uh, the Chauncey trade was the tipping point. I stopped caring, I didn't start caring again probably you wouldn't be a
1: Pistons fan if that wasn't the, the turning point for you yeah
0: I remember yeah. crying in my living room like I was I, I was like I don't who's Allen Iverson I don't know who this guy is like I didn't care it didn't yeah. matter to me so uh 2016 I think probably the Cavs series like I was a big proponent of the Stanley Johnson propaganda that he locked up LeBron and and all that so that was probably when I started to care again but like I remember Mo Cheeks getting fired and like going to school and being like, Oh, Mo Cheeks, this is a disgrace. They, they fired him already. He was, I think he was like 500 at the time. I don't remember what the record was, but I was disgusted that Mo Cheeks got fired. Um, I know that was like, obviously it's somewhere in between the Chauncey trade and the, the playoff series. But I think I started carrying again within the last six years. Yeah.
1: Okay. So the early 2010s, as I was saying, before we let Vinny on, It's we're still close to it. So it's not forgotten yet, but will one day be the forgotten era of Pistons basketball. And it doesn't seem like it's going to be book worthy. uh, But if the Pistons turn this thing around, Vinny, I think you should get into it just because of all the crazy stories.
0: Ooh, there's a question actually, let's say, let's say by the end of the decade, the Pistons win a championship, right? And by my best approximation, I'd say they will next season. So, If you had to write a book sort of recounting this, you know, this, this run that they had, or the the sort of the buildup of it, and the championship was obviously the, the culmination of the buildup. What is chapter one? What year is chapter one? Now let's actually assume that the Great championship question. is 2025 or 2026, or just at some point in this decade, is chapter one what we're living through right now?
1: No. <laughs> no I think no, no. it's I think it's what you said. I think it's the Iverson Billups trade, because think I think that, that early that was the end of an era. And a lot of people were turned off. Right, Vinny? I, I think it, you can. I think that's the easy point. I think the number
2: one thing or first chapter might be the death of Bill Davidson, which happened a few months after. That's sure. a good point. The Iverson trade, because it put the franchise in a stalemate that it was not able to rebound from. Like they didn't they couldn't make like a transaction for like 18 months which is completely unheard of. Like they went an entire season. Forgot about that. Without like calling, calling up a player or anything like that. They didn't release anyone. Like it was literally like in September, this is what we got in April. This is what we got. Yeah. And there was nothing there was no, happening in between.
0: Is it because there was no owner to consult about making moves? Like, I don't understand what the no, problem no, no. was. Uh,
2: Davidson's widow, Karen owned the team. Okay. And you know, there's enough time that's passed everyone virtually knew that from the moment that the body had gone cold, that she was going to sell the team, even though the she way you say things, yeah. like I shouldn't have
1: laughed, but I just go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry about that. Can we say it again? The way let's put it like this, as soon
2: as
0: the dirt hit the Bill
2: Davidson, you know, as soon as all the shock and everything, everything that happened from it, uh, from his death, as soon as all that cleared up, there was almost this sort of tacit belief that she was going to sell the team. Now, she might have been saying the right things to a few people saying, hey, you know, if if this thing goes well, you know, we can keep this thing rolling for you know, a few years. Like, you know, that type of thing. You're, you're still coming off the heels of making the conference finals the last six years and everything else. And this is an offseason, but you're not sure what's going to happen, you know, the next year. But then everything just stops after that team goes for sale. Mike Illich becomes the leading candidate, so to speak. Then then it doesn't. Right. And then you go an entire next season, you know, in limbo. And if you go an entire year or two, if you go an entire year without a transaction that set you back another two years, you go two years without really doing anything, set you back like four or five. Add into the fact that this team was going through. Wait, are we in the past? Are we in the present? Are we in the future? Mm -hmm. And because that question was never able to be answered from the front office or the franchise because they couldn't get answers from ownership. That's why you had this sort of stale, dark ages period. And then, you know, everybody acting a fool on top of that didn't really help. You know what I mean? But that will be the first chapter will probably be the death of Bill
1: Davidson. Acting a fool. I think that's the title, to chapter, two. Your first coach was who?
0: <laughs> My first covered?
2: coach that I covered, I covered a little bit of curry, a little bit of a little bit of Saunders when I wrote for Slam magazine, but first coach as a beat writer.
1: Is is it who I think it is? Was was Mr. Was Mr. Kuster.
2: Oh, it was nah, Q, it wasn't
1: it wasn't oh Lawrence was after. Lawrence was after. Okay. We can maybe get into Lawrence stuff. Maybe possibly. Yeah, we, yeah sure. Okay. Sure. All right, Quster. Nick knows nothing about the anarchy. Can you explain the anarchy for people like Nick and other young Pistons fans who might not remember, or did it just completely missed it?
0: Yeah. Just for some context, before you get into it, when he, James and I got off the air the other day and he mentioned bringing you on because he wanted to talk about this. I go talk about what, and he starts to sort of explain it as best as he can in a short amount of time. And I'm like, this happened this decade. Like, what are you? T- I have no idea. This is. I don't know. Whatever you're about to say, I don't know so about.
2: So here's here. I think here's here's. It's best that I explain it succinctly, and then you get the questions, and I fill in the blanks. I think yes. that makes it a little bit more entertaining than than story sure. time with Vinny, right? So that's what we pitched sure. it as, though. But yes, yeah,
0: <laughs> yes, it's funny you even phrase it like that because I literally said we'll do story time with Vincent, but whatever. Sure. Long of the
2: short. In 2011, the Detroit Pistons decided it's funny because the phrase going to work was their mantra, right? Yeah, they decided they weren't going to work, <laughs> they just decided that they were going to take some PTO. They were Kyrie before Kyrie, right? Except they didn't tell nobody they weren't showing up to work, they weren't taking. I call the whole I,
1: team being Kyrie is insane.
2: The whole like, like I call as a side note, I call Kyrie Harden and KD run DMP. You know what I mean? But <laughs> <laughs> run, you never
1: said that one to me. That's funny.
2: Run DMP.
1: Hey, 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 it just it just flows. That's but uh,
2: but they were in Philadelphia. It was the day after the trade deadline, which is a huge part of the story from a reporting standpoint. And they literally decided that they were not going to shoot around like literally. And shoot around is essentially for those who don't know. It's like the, the day where you meet the hours before the game, morning of the game, a light practice before hearing, games, essentially. And yeah. a lot of times, it's, yeah, a lot of times it's very light. You go over the game plan or other type of stuff. It's a shoot formality. Up, yeah. yeah, it's a formality. So for the players who were absent or truant, I should say there were there were too late. There were too late players. Very late. How late they came as the writers were walking in the two writers who were there, me and Vince Ellis then from the Detroit free press, as we were walking in, that's how late they were. Cause shoot was over. But the players who were absent Ben Wallace, Tayshon Prince, Tracy McGrady, Richard Hamilton, Rodney Stuckey. And I believe Chris Wilcox. I believe it was. I, I believe Wilcox was there. Wasn't there. The players who showed up late, were Stucky in Austin. They showed up late. They showed up coming out of a cab.
1: Yeah, wasn't there a cab like right behind your guys? Yeah, like yeah,
2: that? it was. No, 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 Right, not right behind us. We were already in. Oh, it, okay. so it was a cab at the uh, like loading dock and they were like coming in and one of the players had texted Austin and said, you better get here. And you could see the text. The player had his phone out, but I couldn't see the time, but he had his phone out. It wasn't like a breach of anything. I just happened to see it. Yeah, but the players who were there apparent Apparently, guys just literally just whether it was knocks on the door or they just didn't come to the team bus from the hotel. They just didn't show up because they were not happy with John Custer. They believed that John Custer was going to be fired by Joe Dumars. Allegedly, Dumars told them that he was going to fire the coach. John Kuster, a nice man, if there ever was one, a head coach. He was not. OK, he wasn't to be he didn't comport himself like a head coach. Like as very a soft spoken, right? Very, very, very soft spoken, yeah. but likable. Like I felt bad for him in that way, but I believe that he should not have been a head coach. Almost as like a sidebar, you have instances where players are injured and they're coming back from injury, mm-hmm. and we walk in the practice facility and sometimes we see players working out on the side, sometimes they're rehabbing, whatever. So you would the first customary thing that you would ask a coach on your interview session is, "Okay, coach, everybody back house." Da 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 da. And usually a coach would just say, hey, Stucky's back. He did a little bit today. We'll see about tomorrow. He'll be a game time decision, right? Mm-hmm. Not Custer. We asked Custer, hey, Rip is, uh, Rip's been out for a minute. We see him out here getting some shots up. Is he coming back to, for tomorrow's game? He looked de- us dead in the face. This is in the days of pre-social distancing. So we close. He looked us dead in the face <laughs> and said his favorite phrase. KG will give you an update. KG, and those, Kevin Gray, yes. uh, Pistons' vice president of PR. Back
1: then, he was just a day-to-day guy who dealt with the coaches, dealt with the media liaison. Yeah. KG Quick G breakdown. Is- for people that don't know, KG, there's Cletus, uh, Josh as well. The PR or the liaison between the media and the players and the coaches. So, like, when it's time for a coach to speak, this person brings out the coach to the media. He usually listens in on the questions being moderates – He's the, the middleman between middleman and it the all, organization. Yes. All that.
2: And oftentimes middleman between players and the coaching staff too. Exactly. You know what I mean? it's a, it's a lot of different hats. So Kevin Gregg has been there for God knows how long, over 20 years. Shout out to KG if he listens. KG is KG is 10 feet away from us. And we turn around and we say, okay, KG is like we're thinking like, okay, it's gonna be some team announcement. Like you're gonna pass out yeah. that this guy is like out for six months or something like that. You know what I mean? And he's like KG's like, yeah, he's good. He's all right. He'll be back. <laughs> like, dude, you could have told us that yourself. You didn't have to, like, lead that to the PR guy. Like, he was that uh, afraid, uh, supposedly, of his own shadow type yeah. of thing where he was not fit to be a head coach. Like, there's a lot of guys who know basketball who can be on the staff but are not fit to be a head coach. John Custer was one of them.
1: And didn't you say, uh, and a quick aside from the other side, <laughs> before we get back to the story, didn't you say Custer was, like, the greatest ATO Yes. Coach, like you, there was something that you said that you just gave him praise for. Like he grew, uh, grew up the greatest ATOs as an assistant. If there no even as a head coach. Oh, as a head coach, that's
2: right. That's when right. he was when he was the head coach for the Pistons. You can go look this up. The 2010-11 season, they didn't win a lot of games, but if it was close and the Pistons had a side out of bounds with like maybe seven or eight seconds left, he would find a way to a use all five of those seconds on the inbound, which I thought was really really dangerous, but find a way to run through the progressions and get someone an open corner three, namely Austin Day, who literally had, I think, three or at least two out of bounds, last-second plays, fading to his left, going from his right, Mm -hmm. getting game-tying or game-winning threes just off of ATO. It was a brilliant thing. I would have kept him around just as, hey, you're the ATO guy. You can't be, be the head coaster. <laughs> yeah. You can't do anything else for me, but but drop that play real quick. That's what I need. <laughs> drop that play. So Ghostwriter, yeah, He was, was great on the ATOs. So the players hated Custer. They didn't think he knew what he was doing. They were right. They just clearly went about it the wrong way with the most bold act of insubordination. I say bold and kind of cowardly too. And here's why: Joe Dumars was not on that trip. Joe Dumars was back in Detroit. Joe D usually made every trip he loved. It. He was going to be around the team. Sometimes he would take off for scouting and stuff like that or whatever. But this one, I believe it was his son Jordan's birthday. So mm-hmm. he stayed back. And I think he they gave, like, Jordan, like, a get-together around that time. And Joe starts getting texts from us, from us, the media, which I'll and – I'll, and I'll aside to how we wind up walking in and seeing this, which might actually be funnier. He gets texts from all of these – People involved, like, hey, these dudes ain't showing up, and he's like, "This is my son's birthday." Da 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 Son Son might have been still in high school at the time and all that, and they're like, "Okay, these clowns gonna do this when I'm not here." So me, this is the day after the trade deadline. Me and Vince Ellis have to go there. Like we were thinking about skipping shoot around, just because sometimes they be kind of mundane. You don't feel like doing it. da. But we're like, today is the day after the trade deadline, and nobody got traded we need to go in there and make sure the guys aren't upset or whatever the case may be, blah, blah, blah. So we want Vince, who was an amazing driver. And I say that facetiously, oh, he I goes just the wrong way. It was our first trip to Philly that year. He goes the wrong way. So it almost makes us late. Luckily we decide with our better judgment, we need to get there. So we didn't even turn around and go back to the hotel. Like, no, we need to get there. So we get there. We walk in through the tunnel and it looks almost empty. Like there's a few players like Jonas Jurepko was nursing like an Achilles injury that year. He was rehabbing. And it was a f- couple guys doing wind sprints and stuff like that. We're like, wait a minute. There's nobody around. Like, and usually you walk in to shoot around this guy's icing. There's guys shooting. There's guys, you know, on their phone messing around. They know they got to do media. They And the bus ain't going nowhere until they do type of thing. And usually you see a full roster. You see 12 to 15 guys. We see six. (laughs) We see six. And I turn to Vince Ellis. He says this. I don't remember saying this, but he says, I turn to him, go big eyed and and yell out mutiny. Yeah, (laughs) mutiny. I've been saying anarchy, mutiny. (laughs) Mutiny. And next to us, we see a Charlie Villanueva who's sitting down And maybe it was another player. Gosh, I can't remember who it was. Maybe it was Will Bynum. But it was Charlie Villanueva. It was Ben Gordon. It was Charlie Villanueva and Ben Gordon. They were both sitting down. And they could see this bewildered look on our face. And Charlie, and I think Ben says, Ben Gordon says, in a very low tone, they don't even know what's going on. They be in the media. So we're like, yeah, yeah, we be in the media. So I'm looking and I'm like, okay. Why don't you fill me in? You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So in the course of that, you gotta think because these guys are upset for one. Like there was the group chat the night before and everything else, and everybody had agreed on not doing it. If everybody doesn't show up, then you have to cancel shoot around. They should have canceled shoot around anyway, but you have to cancel shoot around, you make up some excuse, all this other type of stuff, and nobody's the wiser. And eventually it probably winds up getting out because again, the players want Euster fired and they wanted everybody to know this wasn't act. It was like Rebels with a cause, yeah. right? So throughout the course of this, me and Vince Ellis are literally picking out players individually, just getting our own stuff. And we talked to Custer, and Custer says, well, some guys have illnesses and some guys are absent and we'll just go with who we got tonight. And in walks Austin Day, second year player, doesn't have a you know a long NBA future sort of ahead of him type of thing all a lot of these guys made their money Ben Wallace made his money Rip made his money Tayshaun Tracy McGrady all these guys are sort of made men in that way Austin Day wasn't you know Rodney Stuckey kind of had the you know crown prince of the organization thing because they traded Chauncey because they wanted to free up you know space for Rodney to be Rodney they thought he was kind of a Russell Westbrook-ish type of player which mm-hmm. physically he was but You know, he just didn't, he didn't have that rust in him in that way to do it every night type of thing. So we're getting, we're gathering all this information and we can't believe what we're hearing. We can't believe that these guys literally came up with this plan to basically, we ain't coming to work today. And the guys that showed up, like it was a couple guys who basically said, had excuses. I won't say who, but one guy said, oh, I forgot we was doing that today. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. I think uh, I'll say, you know, Jason Maxill. Okay. okay. Max told Max, Max said, oh, I, I didn't know that part. That today. <laughs> yeah. It was kind of like a funny thing. I didn't know really that today. That's why I came here. Max came because Max was a free agent to be that summer. Mm. He could not afford to look like that. So you can say he was playing both or whatever. He was looking out for his own interest as well. He should have yep. Will Bynum. Same thing. Will Bynum had never had NBA money before. You know what I mean? He had scratched and clawed to get to the NBA. That type of thing when it goes around the league, that's a stink you can't get off of you because it makes you a lose. bad yeah. locker room guy, bad organizational guy, blah, yeah. blah, 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 blah. What makes matters, you know, in, in that time, me and Vince are like, do you have what I have? We're walking up the tunnel. The
1: players leave. And this isn't like, a normal in journalism code. No, you don't check not. with your competitor to see. But in that situation, it would make it, everybody's life easier if you because you guys are going to write it anyway. Right. It was so extreme. Exactly. Right. It was so
2: extreme we didn't like trade notes but we were just like just a general tone like we was like do you and you could tell by our questions on the record to Custer that both of us knew something was up even though we had done our own individual stuff uh-huh. and we were like do you know what i know and Vince was like these fools <laughs> so this is back in the day of like real twitter and by real twitter i mean twitter blows up now it's kind of like a play thing because twitter was relatively new at the time so i'm like i call my editor you know i sent off a few texts to try to confirm some stuff here and there but you're getting it directly from the player's mouth you're not putting names to it but you're getting everything direct so i'm like i'm pretty sure what i got i'm just about to fire off this tweet Vince, like you fire off this tweet Like, yeah, I'm firing off this tweet. He was like, oh, the world's about to burn. (laughs) And I was like, I got the match.
1: Oh, I got the match. I can just I can envision Vince say him saying the world's about to burn. I know that he had the evil villain laugh. Yes, he
2: He was nervous. I was like, I was I guess I was too green to realize how big it actually was. Like I was 26 at the time is my first year on the beat. At that point, me and Rip Hamilton ain't even talking because he, he
1: got mad at me a few months before. So we can go into that. Yeah, that's fine. That's the, that's the next story. That's fine. I yeah, think yeah. we put a bow on the Custer thing. Phenomenal stuff. I hope you guys like that. Rip. You Yo, Rip so let, me, a- let, me, let me do this KG impersonation. Then we go into Rip. <laughs> Nobody but me and you are going to get KG. Go ahead. So, KG so I
2: sent off the tweet, and I don't even fire off my story yet. So sent off the tweet. The world starts burning. Kevin calls me. Be careful what you write. You don't want to be wrong. Kevin's not on the trip. Yeah. You know what I mean? Kevin's not on the trip. He's back in Detroit. Yeah, I'm like, dude, you know what's going on and so do I. And that was like the end of the conversation. But yeah. it was like, you know, some damage control before the damage control, which is PR's job. He was doing his job. He was doing his j- and a damn good one at that.
1: Right. So, yeah. Shout out to KG. Shout out to KG. Uh, I met that was not a fun moment for Cletus, who was no. on the trip, right? No, no, yeah. Cletus was Cletus
2: was more annoyed that right. like, I can't believe these dudes did this. <laughs> more than I gotta play damage control. How do you figure this out? And mind you, that game, they were all sitting on the bench. I thought we were going to get cussed out when we walked in the locker room for the pregame because all the players were there. Yeah. We walked in the locker room, nobody said a word. We had filed stories. It was on, you know, it was on ESPN as a national story, all this. And this is like in a span of like three or four hours. walking in the locker room. They're like, well, what's up? Y'all ain't mad at us. Y'all ain't going to cuss us out. Y'all ain't going to say me wrong. da None of that's that. That's what they wanted. That's what they wanted. And then Houston got thrown out of the game in the second quarter.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah,
1: that's right. I forgot about that part. With Rodney
2: Stuckey and Tracy McGrady laughing on the sideline. It was
1: hilarious. Was Cletus – shout out to Cletus. Love him to death. Was he as swole then as he is now? Yes. People don't know Cletus. If you go into a Pistons game, you maybe recognize him. He is the strongest PR person in By sports far. history. By far. You like no he's problems. built like a middle linebacker. That's so cool. I always, yeah. yeah, a middle linebacker. Yes. I and always I played have, basketball with Cleus. I have to, I'd lost feeling in my elbow because he set a screen and my elbow hit his peck or something and I was just done. He told me, don't come. Don't come into my workspace, Vinny. Don't come down yeah, loves his workspace. Shout out to Cleetis. Shout out to KT. Don't come, don't come out to, to my Cletus. workspace, Vinny. I'm like,
2: you know what, Cleet? I trust you. I'm not coming down to your workspace. I'm going to stand out here and take these jumpers.
1: please. I ain't trying to ever have that feeling again of when my elbow went numb. I, I did a lap around the palace pre- practice court after that. Like, I needed a good five minutes to regain feeling in my arm. Now, I don't want to hold you too long. I wanted to get into the rip story. And I didn't know if you could tell it. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> you and Rip had beef and people. Don't, let me preface it. It's not normal in our business, but it will probably if you do this long enough, you will likely have not maybe not to this extent, but you will have a, a not a dust up, but a uh, negative interaction with a player where they're mad at you. I have not had a real one yet. Um one this is my fourth year. I like I've had guys that like didn't want to talk Give to me for, for a second but like nothing like this so it is common but it's not super common
0: especially Sovini. in year one with a player as major as rip that's what's yeah was rip me. year one
1: rip rip was
0: I mean
2: yeah I don't think, that, I, think I really I haven't had a dust-up a series since that was
1: but that was your first year it was that was my first oh my I didn't first, know that like part. two months okay so I actually I've heard the story a ton of times but I actually forgot it so Go ahead. floor is yours. So
2: it was late December, you know, first year, you know, the second year of the Ben Gordon, Charlie Villanueva experience. And there was always this tacit thing with the organization. Oh, we bought these two guys who make a lot of money in. And we're, are we still going for it? Are we still trying to be relevant? Like there was. Along with the ownership, like it was just a hodgepodge of a bunch of stuff going on, some controllable variables, but a lot of the things that nobody could control, nobody could foresee it was just circumstance. So uh, there was a game. It was a, a game against maybe New Orleans. It was. Yeah, it was a game against New Orleans, I believe, on a Sunday night.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: And. Ben Gordon was slated to start. Like, they were going to make a change. Like, Rip had a slow start to the season. He had gotten ejected a couple of times. Like, you were starting to wonder if one of the best-conditioned athletes in the NBA was starting to lose his legs and starting to lose his game. You know, Chauncey was gone. You know, wasn't the same team, that type of thing. So, Ben Gordon had been, you know, replacing him in the starting line. Rip is a proud dude. Very proud dude. This is 2010, right? This is 2010 going into 11. And... I'd seen Rip in the locker room before the game, didn't think anything of it. Uh, you know, you're in the locker room. Media is allowed in the locker rooms before the games. Up until back then, I think it was maybe 30 minutes before the game. Now it's like 45. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in it. You can talk to players a lot of times. You just, you know, just shooting it. You know what I mean? There's nothing. As Did you do
1: a lot of pregame? See, I don't, I don't usually do pregame unless it's certain players. Like I knew Ish Smith would talk to me at any time, and like it wouldn't be a bother to him. But I always feel like I can wait till after. They're getting ready. Are you, a, are you a big pregame locker room guy? Were you then? Um,
2: Depends I on. I could see back then. Depends on. You know, for me, it was a matter of I wanted them to see me.
1: Exactly. That's what I meant. Yeah.
2: You know what I mean? Like, I want them, especially as the new beat guy, mm-hmm. especially as the new young beat guy I was like 25. If you think I like a baby now, nah, imagine how I looked like back then. You know what I mean? Like that type of thing. So, yeah you you wanted them to see you like putting in the work and being visible and being present like okay this guy's around this guy's here
1: and I think I did it more my first year and then slowed it down once I had relationships I, I think that's how I approached it too
2: yeah and, and you don't know guys cadences and okay this guy goes and shoots for an hour before the game or he likes sitting around or he just he just zones out type of thing like mm-hmm. you don't really know that until maybe you know two or three months in. you sort of get the feeling for guys so at that point it was maybe right before christmas a few guys in there just sitting watching the game or something like that in the locker room whatever they might be watching film or watching the game or whatever and a lot of times you just it's informal you don't get a lot of time with guys so you just you know hey how you doing what's going on like you just start in general conversation with some guys and i if i remember correctly do you guys remember the deshaun jackson last second punt return touchdown that he hit for the it was that night it was that game Okay, and I think Rip was an Eagles fan or something like that. So we're in the locker room watching the game, watching the finish or watching a replay or something like that uh, of the play. And then, you know, you're shooting it with a few guys and then you leave 45 minutes before the game, whatever it was, you don't think nothing of it. Then you get the announcement, Rip is out with an upset stomach. You get an announcement from the team that Rip is out. I'm like, okay, this doesn't, this doesn't really add up, but all right, Ben Gordon starts, scores 25, Pistons win the game. I really didn't think too much of it. But a couple of players pulled me aside and said the famous quote that was in the page of the Detroit News. Uh, two days later, mm-hmm. he quit on us. That's right. And I was like, whoa, that's that's huge. You can't. Yeah. You know, what I mean, that type of thing. Fighting words. Fight. Yeah, that's, that's huge. I didn't write the story that night because I just wasn't like in that place. I'm like, let me try to. You know, flesh this out a little bit more. They didn't practice the next day. I couldn't get in contact with Rip. I probably should have waited an extra day because I was the only person who knew the information. But I was nervous that maybe the free had it, or maybe M Live or something like that had it. I didn't want to be beat on this. I didn't know who else this had been said to. I'm just on the beat for two months. I have no clue who else is willing to get what I got that night. Mm -hmm. So I wind up writing the story with the quote. You know, he quit on us. And saying that you know the, it was the belief from the players that Rip faked the upset stomach because he was getting replaced and da 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 da, and it was it it was ugly, you know, for a couple of days. It was ugly. It was ugly for Rip. It was a it was a black eye on him because he right. had been a franchise mainstay for such a long time. Could have been MVP the four finals. Had been the best player in so many playoff series and everything else. And it was just an ugly situation. Ugly to be ratted out by his teammates to be right. perfectly yeah. honest like that too uh, being you know he was mad at me but i'm like i ain't the person you should be mad at here but whatever so rip doesn't realize that i'm the one who writes the story first he's like oh vincent vincent wrote the story well there's two vincent's here. which one you know <laughs> you know that type of thing and me mean rip had a good relationship to that point but we weren't like close close yeah. you know what i mean we you know you just sort of getting to know each other so The rule in newspapers, especially back then when newspapers meant everything to the world, was you write a story like that, you show up the next day. Mm -hmm. You show up, you show your face. You had your say in print. And then you didn't even get a quote from him in the story. Couldn't get in contact with him. They didn't have practice the next day, whatever. You better show up the next day and deal with whatever, whatever that is that comes. You better deal with that. So, I think the next game might have been like the day after Christmas against Chicago. And I'm like, you know, at that point, you're like, okay, I'm walking in the locker room. It's no big deal. You know the rules, but you're not thinking anything. So, there's only a few players in there. And Ben Gordon is one of them. So, I just walk up to his locker. Hey, BG, how you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, you know what's about to happen, right? I'm like, yeah, I got it. So I have my back turned to like the player's entrance, like the shower, the training room, all that. I have my back turned to it. He sees Rip coming in before I do. He's like, here it comes. (laughs) And all I hear is just Rip just yelling. Were they cool? Yeah, UConn. Oh, UConn. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. So it was weird because they were in the same position. But they thought that they could manage the minutes, manage the shots, da, da, right. da, all that type of stuff. It was a weird thing. Nobody hated, they didn't really hate anybody on that team. It was just a weird sort of dynamic.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So Ben says, Here it comes. And I'm like, All right, here, here we go. And all I could hear was Rip's voice just yelling, yelling everything the, the four letter words, the longer letter words. <laughs> 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 like, Rip, we're going to talk about this like, man, or you're going to yell? I'm going to yell all right Da-da-da-da-da. yelling yelling i'm i'm still giving him the space to say what he got to say because my words my you know whatever is under my name in the newspaper i'm responsible for I always tell him what's above my name that's on somebody else
1: but right. below my name is i got i'm a own. And 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 you don't he doesn't understand that what you wrote isn't your feelings it's news given to you like you were doing your job so for him for you you're not like mad at him there's no reason to be you no. didn't write and it wasn't a column you wrote what you had heard he's mad because you put it out there yeah. so it's there's different feelings absolutely there's different feelings
2: and for me it's just look, man, I'm just doing my job. I ain't trying to start no smoking. I'm just starting my career type of thing. You know right. what I mean? Like I didn't, when you're writing it, I don't know if you've ever felt this, when you're writing it, you don't realize the impact of what something is going to have. You know, you're like, okay, this is a big story, but all right, whatever. Players upset, it happens. Mm-hmm. It'll be a one day thing and it'll wind up, you know, blowing over. It wasn't a one day thing. And he was upset with me. And he and I always felt he had to yell at me to show his teammates that he was still there. You know Fair. what I mean? He yeah, he, I had the sh- he had the yeah. show to show the guys I'm still here with y'all. No matter how I felt in that moment, even if it was like a regrettable action, even if you don't directly apologize for it, you still you you you, you there's there's a lamb that you got to, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I happen to be that guy. Now other players did not treat me unfairly after that. Not not Ben Wiles who was one of his closest guys, not Tayshawn Prince, who was one of his closest guys. Like, no, none of the vets in there looked at me like, oh, you did something wrong. Like they right. knew what it was, they mm-hmm. understood. And maybe after about maybe three minutes of rip getting off his chest, Kevin Grig, who I love, KG stepped in. All right, all right, guys, just <laughs> just break it up. Rip <laughs> your head, just say, Vinny Goning, just just get out of here. I didn't know he broke that up. I didn't yeah, I he, know he that stood part. there. He literally stood there as like a referee almost. You know, like the one thing I'll always give Rip in that moment. He didn't say the N word. He didn't say the B word. Them's might
1: have been fight words. Right. At Everything that, else is fair game. I yeah.
2: Agree. you, I, I can take it. You know, thick skin, whatever. This is what yeah. it is. And at that point, we stopped talking. If I asked Rip a question in a scrum, that might have been something. But anything else, like we didn't talk for, you know, we had another dust up in Chicago maybe like two weeks later was Mm -hmm. a little bit worse um, where I I went past the point of, Rip, you've had your say. now I'm going to have mine type of thing, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, which was kind of funny. But after that, we didn't talk again for the rest of the season. And then Rip winds up being bought out, like shortly after the Gores regime, you know, takes over. You got to get him out of here, blah, blah, blah. And we see each other randomly. He goes to Chicago, does this, does that, and we don't and we walk by each other in hallways and literally act like we don't see each other.
1: Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get it. But we're we're on
2: bet we're on much better terms like now. Like you guys made up at
1: Ben's jersey uh, retirement. Jersey retirement, right? We
2: Ben Ben had a jersey retirement. I was working in Chicago at the time. And Ben had requested that I come because I, you know, covered Ben on the back half. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Of his career. So he was like, Do they have a game? And I'm like, no, the Bulls don't have a game. He was like, Are you coming home or whatever for Austin? I'm like, Yeah, I'll probably be there anyway. He was like, Why don't you come the night before Jersey retirement? Okay, all right, cool. I'll show up. That type of thing.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um there was like a reception afterwards, like after the game. And Rip pulls me to the side and apologizes for his oh. how he how he. Oh, he acted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that is, it's is six years. He's retired, you know, we're in different places in our lives and everything else that type of thing. And we kind of just laughed about it after, after that, it wasn't even like an awkward moment. It was just like, he walked up to me and it wasn't like, Oh, Oh, I got to ball my fist up. Cause he bought the, you know, he's six, seven. I got to get my hands ready type of thing. It wasn't <laughs> nothing like that. Right. You know what I mean? Right. Like, I know everybody wants to sort of thing, but it was a dust up. Had he stayed around, maybe we would have been able to sort of, You know what I'm saying? Had he not been, you know, bought out and everything else, maybe something would have been facilitated. But because he was gone at that point, it was a little, you know, you see a guy twice a year and then he was out out of the league and everything else and, you know, retired and everything else. But, but yeah, that was, that was my first month, first two or three months as a beat writer. And I was really worried that I was going to lose the locker room. Yeah. Even from the guys that I gotten stuff from, I was worried a little bit.
1: They knew it was true. Yeah. And they knew you were just doing your job. And then um, the
2: mutiny happens, like, two months after that.
1: <laughs> That's like a team like, that. Curious
2: George. What are you yeah. guys going to do next?
1: Nick, we're going to let Vinny go. I'm going to give you one – we've been talking a lot. Go ahead, if you have any question, if there's any player – I don't know if you looked up the roster from 2010 to 2015 when Vinny covered that you want a story about. Is there anything you wanted to ask him?
0: Well, I actually – you kind of just touched on it a little bit. But I, my question is, what was the – on a, on a like a one to ten scale mm-hmm. the uncomfortability level of walking into that locker room the day after that article comes out because I just you know you want to talk about losing the locker room that was the whole time I was thinking you know obviously you got to face the music you said what you said it wasn't a hit piece it would be different if that's what it was but is there a sense of like I don't even know how to articulate this how like you're not scared but how nervous were you is it
2: some anxiety because you don't know what's going on? yeah probably a little bit probably just the the unknown yeah. Like you don't know, even if the guys who talk to you have to show have to show a little bit. Yeah, sure. To show that they're not. Because it was it was clear from people who were around that it was a player thing. It was not like an organizational, you know, they wanted to the bury rip type of thing, because it wouldn't have made the organization look good. It was yeah. clearly coming from a place like of emotion, like he quit on us type of thing. So I'm thinking, like, okay, am I gonna hear it from? this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, in addition to Rip. um, Wasn't any, like, anxiety, just because it was like, like I had never seen, like, a reporter get cussed out or something like that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you hear about it, you know, you talk to your, quote-unquote, OGs of the business or whatever, and you hear, you know, their war stories, and you know you're going to have your own. You don't realize that that's what this is. You know what I'm saying? You don't realize, <laughs> okay, this is going to be my story to tell yeah. five years from now or 10 yeah. years from now. You're just like, All right, I got to go in here. I don't know what's going to happen. But all right, let's just get it out the way. That was my feeling. Like, let's get it out the way. I hope he's in here so I don't have to be looking over my shoulder after the game when I got to be doing my job and getting these quotes from whatever happens tonight. Let's get it out the way where I ain't, you know, where I don't really have to do anything. Like, you know what I mean? Like before the game, if you've written something already, you don't have to write anything else. I'd already done that. So I'm like, all right, cool. If Rip cusses me out. Which he's probably going to do, then it's just going to be up to me to say, All right, am I going to like, I do Twitter clapbacks, Nicholas. <laughs> At least I used to. At least I used to. I'm, I'm
1: much more mature now. Much, uh, much more. I think you're more mature, but more,
2: more mature. I, I look
1: uh, forward to clapback than he. I do every I, night. I,
2: I get, you know, you're getting old. I'm older now. I'm not 26 now. I'm, you know, do the math, right? So, <laughs> so I'm like, you know, resist the urge. If he says something out of line, cause you've had your say. And a couple of my mentors called me, you know, before the game and was like, Hey, you better go in that locker. I'm like, Oh no, I'm going like, it, it ain't no, it ain't no running and hiding. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Hey, who's anybody to be scared of for one? Like, like I'm a newspaper writer. He's a basketball player. Ain't nobody <laughs> shooting. Nobody ain't no, you know what I mean? It ain't going to be none of that. Right. This is the hold me back league.
1: Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Facts. Hold me
2: back on the floor, hold me back in the locker room. You know what I mean? That type of thing. So it wasn't that. It was just like, okay, what's going to happen? Not like, ee, I'm afraid of what's going on. It was just like
1: curiosity. more mm, than Right. Anything. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Nicholas as well. That's what um, I have, can, can I end on? or oh, go ahead, Nick. Sorry. I
0: actually do have a player. Okay. Uh, I had this, a
1: player too. I was going to let okay. him pick from one of two, but go ahead.
0: I actually don't know if you're going to have one for this guy because he wasn't here that long, but it's just super on brand for me. Uh, James okay. will know this. Our, our regular listeners will know this. You got can Chris- I guess? Oh, yeah, never mind. I go just ahead. said
2: it. You got a Chris yeah, Middleton yeah, story? Oh, 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 who said it? Again?
0: Chris Middleton. Wow. Um, not a, a direct that he was here for, but
2: not a direct Chris Middleton story.
1: Do you but... have a Luigi me?
0: I was gonna say that, but I thought that that would be too me or, easy, to- so or
1: I, Tony Mitchell.
2: Thought that'd be too meta. No, no, no. That that Chris is. I mean, because it, it, Chris was very quiet, and Chris had that knee surgery. Um, so he didn't play. He had the knee surgery coming out of school which went took him from a first round pick which he he would have been after his freshman year to a second round pick which is why the Pistons wound up getting him and then Drummond, and then uh Kim English in the same draft Kim English is now I forgot where he's coaching at. he just got a coaching job yeah I, I forgot where as well damn it but yeah good all good dudes and I remember the only story I have is indirectly related to Chris when they were trading him Okay. To Milwaukee for Brandon Jennings. They were trading him and Brandon Knight for Brandon Jennings. There was this playoff or else mandate, you know. And it was like, okay, we need to get a better point guard. We get this new coach. Chris Middleton's a second round guy. He can develop, but we're not sure. And they had Kyle Singer and they thought Kyle Singer was going to be like, you know, a really good player. And I remember telling uh Joe, don't do this. Like, Chris Middleton's going to turn out to be something.
1: And I just—he's talking about
2: Joe Dumars, listeners. He told the GM this. I was just like, I think Chris Middleton is going to be something. And I think Joe told me later after the deal that he offered Singler, and they said no, but they wanted Middleton. Do you believe him? Yeah, yeah, I believe because he because okay. it was because it was right after the deal, but before we were able to see anything. Okay. And I think his preference was to keep Middleton.
1: Okay, that that tracks. Then
2: you know what I mean, that type of thing. I, I do have a funny mo cheeks getting fire story oh
0: okay if you have
1: if you have the time to tell
0: it yeah, yeah, yeah we'll, no, end, we'll end on
2: this no we cool um so the pistons went four out of six games they were like you said they were at 500 they were like 22 and 25 or something like that they had gotcha they had just they were starting to turn the corner a little bit this was the josh smith greg monroe andre drummond size front court rookie K C P as a shooting guard And then Brandon Jennings as your point guard, so it was a really, really young team. And then you had Chauncey off the bench and a couple other guys. It was a really, really young team. And they were starting to sort of show some signs. So Saturday night, I rarely go out during the year. It's in the dead middle of the winter. And uh, I was going to this place downtown. They were playing at Auburn Hills at the time. Uh, Me and Mo Cheeks had gotten to a little dust up a few days before. But that, you know, I don't have time to tell that story. But... This is more of a Benny funny story than anything else. So I go to this little, I can't think where it was. it was. in Harmony Park. If anybody okay. knows, it's like down by the D8, the, the athletic club and everything. It was this party for a girl I went to college with, just cool home girl. Go in there for a few minutes, leave out. I may be there, maybe 30 minutes, if that. And I'm like, where's my phone? I don't have my phone. Oh, no. It, it's snowing. In downtown Detroit. And it's like close to 2 a.m. I haven't had anything to drink. I'm basically just coming in and saying, what's up? Kicking it for minute, dipping out. I can't find my phone. I have no idea what to do. I think it was an iPhone. I didn't. I don't know if we had to eye track my, find my iPhone technology, all this other yeah. stuff. Yeah, we didn't yeah. have it, right? The next day, because I have no phone, Mo Cheeks gets fired. And I can't call anybody i don't know anybody's oh, number man. like offhand yeah like i have to I drive to my parents house i'm like ma let me use your cell phone <laughs> so i'm trying to call people that i think i know to find my phone downtown in the snow you know whatever i'm like okay do i trace the story or do i chase the phone i'm like i can chase the phone fo- i can chase the phone and then i'll get the story even if it's late i'll still get it right hmm. to fill in the blanks Turns out the phone was like in front of like a cigar lounge. And I'm (laughs) guessing somebody might've kicked it
1: Mm. unknowingly. Oh, okay.
2: Yeah. Cause I didn't even walk in front of the cigar lounge directly. I think it was just that. And luckily I think I called it, called it, called it. Somebody, you know, plugged it in, saw it, went and got it. When I opened up my phone, I get all these text messages. And then someone on Twitter says either the next day or later that day, I don't know if they at me or something. Vincent Goodwill ain't lose his damn phone in the snow. He just got beat on the story. Uh-oh. <laughs> and I'm Uh-oh. hot. I, I know am, you. I am H O Double T hot. And the person who was going to give me the scoop, who was texting me all night, texting me from literally. Damn. Hey, you need to call me. Hey, you need to call me. Give me a call. Bruh. I got something. Wow. And I'm like I'd be hot. Three T I was I was I wasn't I was not a happy camper. Wow. Not a happy camper. And then to have the Twitter, the Twitter army. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because like I everyone put on Twitter, piling on.
2: Cause I literally had to put on Twitter hey, I lost my phone. If anybody sees it, <laughs> <laughs> that type of thing, like it wasn't, you know, I wouldn't have it. <laughs> I was like, hey, if somebody sees it, because I didn't know if I left it at the, I couldn't remember if, I don't think I looked at it from the arena to the to the place downtown. It might've been one of the rare times I just wasn't looking at my phone. I was focused on the road because it was snowing. So yeah. I couldn't tell if I dropped it at the arena, which is where I spent the last six or seven hours, or oh, I dropped it in the snow and I don't know how it fell out of my pocket, whatever the case was, but there it was in the snow downtown Detroit. Luckily I found it the
1: next day, but I had the Twitter army on me, man. Th- that's cold blooded for them to say, to try to call you out. Like who my man's with the lion helmet avatar. Yeah. Is trying to say Vinny, like to go to cover the jugular for no reason. It's just Twitter. Like we love you guys. Uh, but some of you guys need an ass whooping. It's the, anyway,
0: that same guy is now trashing you and I on Reddit. In that, uh, in that, <laughs> that's the same. I haven't guy. gotten
2: into. I haven't gotten into Reddit yet. I wonder if I should or if it's just don't, another cesspool. No, I
1: just worry. got into it. Uh, I I had great. What was your question? My, what,
2: what was your question? What player did you were you gonna ask me about?
1: Mine was uh, Luigi DiTomi or Tony Mitchell. I was gonna let you pick one.
2: There's a nickname I have for
1: gg but i can't say it
0: Where's i know it name I you can say it off the air. Huh?
1: can i say it yeah i think i know it is it is, is he it? open jim jesus no 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 or was no. that walter herman i think that was walter herman okay i don't know if i know the louis uh actually you've told me the story i forget we'll tease we'll tease it we'll have you back this summer
2: i'll take we'll i'll see. text i'll text you the nickname okay and
1: i'll can i can i say it on the next pod
2: Yeah, maybe, because hopefully Gigi follows me on
1: Twitter. Hopefully, you
2: know, he doesn't. I'll
1: wait. I'll wait. I'll wait a couple removed. So if you're listening to this in three pods, I'll slide it in as a joke. And I won't even you'll just have to listen and you'll know. Mm. Vinny, thank you, my brother. Uh, This was a blast. Um, I hope you had fun. I hope the listeners enjoyed going down memory lane um, during the dark days. Nick, I hope you enjoyed the stories these are better in story time with James
0: i let me tell you is you want to talk about being a fly on the wall i was so content with not speaking because i was enjoying just listening so much the the one thing here's what <laughs> what's the name of the book we got to name the book right
2: round ball revolution <laughs> it was in philly, philly freedom some people some people call it philly freedom some people call it round ball revolution some people called it mutiny, but like, it was just the most <laughs> fascinating day of my professional life.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Uh, I just Hard got the James. nickname. I remember it. You I'll, you I'll drop up, it James? in as a gem. Huh? You want me to wrap yeah, it up? Yeah, we're good. All right. Yeah, go ahead. Let's let's end it.
0: righty, ladies and gentlemen. This was quite possibly. This is uh, th- I, I I think was, this is our best episode. Whew, that was all, all due
1: respect to other guests.
0: All right, ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, be sure to rate five stars and subscribe. Leave a review if you are feeling generous. We will catch you guys in the next one.